0: Hello, fabulous listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Old Bodies Outside. This is your host, Brian Peterson. This episode's guest is Michelle Schroff, who's an avid and accomplished runner and also a podcast host. During this episode, we'll hear about Michelle's love of running and her podcast called Fun of the Run. Michelle, thanks for joining us on All Bodies Outside.
1: Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. So excited that you're here and thanks for connecting with me over Instagram to make this happen.
1: Oh, no problem.
0: Yeah. So where are you connecting in from?
1: I'm in Waddell, Arizona.
0: Okay. And where's Waddell?
1: So it is actually about 20 minutes west of Phoenix. So.
0: Okay. And so you're, you're probably pretty close to where my parents live. My parents live in Goodyear, Arizona.
1: Yes. Goodyear is very close to me, maybe 10 minutes away. So.
0: Is it to the south of you probably?
1: Yes. South and a little okay. bit east. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, gotcha. Okay, yes. so you're you're so when I visit my parents, I, I love running in the White Tanks, um, and I prefer it a little bit more than the Stray Mountain Regional Park. Yes. Um, but you're probably pretty close to White Tanks Regional Park, uh, being a little bit further to the west and a little bit to the north.
1: I'm about 10 minutes away from the gates of White Tanks. Oh my gosh! Well, I've got my annual pass, and I've I was been, just going to ask that. Annual, yeah. Absolutely, because it's good for Stray Mountain Park, Usery Mountain, McDowell Mountains, all the regional parks. So. It's worth it. Yeah,
0: and what, what is that annual pass cost if you don't mind me asking? Eighty five
1: dollars. Eighty five. Eighty five dollars.
0: Okay. And to the if you don't have it, is it seven bucks to get in? Is that correct? Yes. Cost?
1: So just use it for I mean, in my case, it took a few weeks <laughs> and you know, and it was well paid for already. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm always at the cusp because I visit my parents for the holidays and I'll each holiday I'll get out to one of the regional parks, whether it's White Tanks or Australia Mountains. Mm-hmm. Two to three times on each trip, and I feel like I'm almost at that 85 bucks. I'm like, well, parents, maybe we should just share one together.
1: Yeah. yeah, you should. You should. Then you can see yeah. some other parks around here too. So,
0: yeah, and that's something that actually haven't been I have not done, and I I've, I do enjoy my time at White Tanks, but I've not explored any of the, of the other regional parks in the area.
1: Mm-hmm. I would say White Tanks has probably some of the most challenging trails that you're going to find of the, of the parks that I've mentioned. Yeah. So you, yeah, you're, you're picking a hard one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of vertical, like it's, yeah. it, and it's rocky.
1: Yes. Very rocky, very rocky. There's yeah. nothing really flat. You can't really find very many flats out there. So.
0: I agree. Yeah. I've yeah. noticed that too. And so do you, is white tanks your favorite place to go running or is it kind of depend on the day and what you're trying to achieve? <laughs>
1: So I really started focusing more on trails in about November of 2022, and I had my ultra on the calendar. So since I'm 10 minutes away from White Tanks, I'm like, I, I kind of didn't know how challenging that it was as a runner. I've hiked there for years, but trying to run those trails, wow. But yes, yeah, so... um I just, because it's close to home, I just figured, you know, let's just see what we can do on these trails. So I've been, I've gotten around a few of the others, but that's where you'll find me most of the time, is at the White Tanks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, the White Tanks is, it's very technically challenging, too. Like, you know, the downhill goat camp. Oh. Oh. I
1: don't even want to. It's rough. It's really rough, yes. I, I, it took me, it takes me just as long. To go up Goat Camp as it does to come down, because there's just right. so many loose rocks and and you'll you'll kill yourself. <laughs> Not
0: careful. It's a lot of like dancing on the way down, right? Like there's.
1: Oh yeah, and just so steep. With I can't remember how how much it climbs, but the it's insane the amount of vertical that you get in just one mile on Goat Camp. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, how long have you been into trail running?
1: So I've been wanting to be into it for about, well, all of 2021, I would say, and all of 2022, but I had other races on the calendar. And when I got into Chicago Marathon for 2022, I was injured at the beginning of 2022. And so I was scared to get out on the trails because my goal for 2022 was run Chicago Marathon and I was afraid I would break a foot or you know break an ankle. So I stayed off the trails until after Chicago. Uh, and then I had some friends that talked me into running a trail Ragnar race. Oh, they're awesome. If you've never done one, I don't, I haven't. Oh, they're amazing. Amazing. You have to try one, but I did that in November and it was just like, okay, I knew I was right. Trails are are where it's at. So ever since that Ragnar race, um, it's just me and the trails.
0: (laughs) It's hard to go back
1: to road running once you're out there on the trails. It's very difficult to go back.
0: Yeah, I feel like once you gain that comfortability of being out on the trails and whatnot, it's like I don't want to go where there's traffic. I don't want to be on the roads and yes. whatnot. Yeah, you know,
1: the sidewalks or it's just not doesn't seem as fun. I mean, they're it's necessary. It's necessary yeah. sometimes. I can't get out to the trails, but
0: yeah, right. That happens to me where um, if, I, if I need to get a run in and I'm really tight on time, it's going to be a thirty minute run from the house exactly. on the sidewalks.
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: Yeah, I live on a yeah. lot of
1: dirt roads so and gravel and oh, dirt, nice. so we're horse properties all around us. So to get to pavement, I have to jog a little ways to get to the pavement or else drive to another neighborhood that has like a loop or something that I can run.
0: So, That's not bad. At yeah. least you got the dirt, some dirt roads to be on. Mm-hmm. And, and did you get out and go running today?
1: So to, because I just ran um, Mesquite Canyon Half Marathon about a week and a half ago, this week is actually a little different than normal. So today was another rest day, and yeah, normally I run five days a week, but because that yeah. race was that race was tough, so um, today I'm resting. Tomorrow I'm cross training, and then I'll run again on Saturday. So
0: well, it's got to feel good to be resting up and to have that post race bliss.
1: Absolutely, yeah, no regrets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to ask about the shirt you're wearing. Uh, you got an, some orange, an orange mud shirt on. I've noticed that you haven't. You like to run with an orange mud vest, is that correct? Yes, yeah. So are you an ambassador? Yeah.
1: I am. So I had run with a, a larger name brand, let's say um, hydration pack, for the first couple of years I was running. I live in Arizona. You have to have water, and I'm a slower runner. I'm. At, it doesn't matter if I'm just out there for a couple of miles. I've got to have enough water. So. But the pack I was using was really causing me a lot of issues on my back, just chafing really bad. So a friend recommended Orange Mud and I've been hooked ever since. I applied to be an ambassador. And the the cool thing about Orange Mud is once you are an ambassador, you don't reapply every year. You're just, you're in. And so unless you choose to get out, you're in. And so their ambassadors are actually called the Dirt Unit. So that's what (laughs) it fits. But um, I've had nothing but success. The products, the pack is so comfortable. No chafing. Um, fits every body type. It's adjustable for every body type. So you don't have to order small, medium, large. You just get the pack oh and adjust. And they have all kinds of other stuff too. These running shirts uh, have them in every color they sell pretty much. They're just really comfortable and lightweight and stretchy. And I, I can't say enough good things about Orange Mud. They're awesome to work with customer service i've had to get refunds before and products replaced and they're they're really really awesome so if you haven't tried orange mud i highly recommend
0: them yeah you got me convinced i never (laughs) have tried orange mud i've seen the kind of unique packs and i don't know if their hydration vests have changed up all but i've seen it where it's got the water balls in the back like that
1: yes they have those too i just personally tried that i didn't like reaching behind as i was running i found it but a lot of people love it so the one i have has a bladder And then you can put soft flasks up front. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So speaking of hydration, if I was to be living out in your area in the summertime, I'd be really worried about training and whatnot. So how do you you survive running through the summer?
1: Oh, goodness. It is so... (laughs) Yeah, it's rough. There are days in the summer where the low does not get below 90. And I don't care if it's 2 a.m. The low will not get below 90 sometimes. Um, So what I do is I... My double-digit runs are always on the treadmill. I'm always training for a marathon or an ultra or something, it seems like, in the summer. And because I am a slower runner, I'm going to be out there. If I have to run 12 miles, I'm going to be out there for minimum three hours. And it's going to be hot no matter what time of day I start. So I just pack my vest up with water, noon hydration. and um, But here's the thing. If it's a double digit run, it's gonna be on the treadmill because I've I've had experience with heat sickness before, and and now every year I'm a little bit more susceptible, it seems like, to that. So rather than risk it, I run the shorter runs outside, either in the early morning or the late evening. And then the longer runs are always on the treadmill. That's the only way I can make it in the summer.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so do you A, do you own a, a treadmill?
1: I do. I, I do, okay. Yeah, it's a I pro
0: need to, form. To, yeah. which would which, you say? Which I have
1: a pro form treadmill, and oh. it actually has Bluetooth capability. So I have a membership with iFit. And so if I'm doing an iFit workout, it'll move my treadmill up and down for me. It'll increase the speed, decrease the speed, depending on what workout I choose. It's pretty fun.
0: Yeah. No. That sounds like it's a great way to get a workout, especially it for is. an indoor workout. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So on top of orange mud, um, are you an, amba- I know that I, so I wanted to ask you about team noon cause, uh, I believe you are on their team and are you also an ambassador for any other companies?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I am an ambassador for alter ego running, which is mainly hats, which I guess I should have worn a hat. <laughs> um, so I'm a, an ambassador for them and hey, you've heard of big brave. I'm assuming.
0: No, I haven't.
1: BibRave is huge. This is my first year on their team. And so I'm not super, you know, familiar with all of it. But BibRave connects with all kinds of different brands um, across the running world. And so we get to try um, all kinds of different products. I just got one of my medals made into a handcrafted wooden coaster um, as part of Team BibRave. We get entries to certain races around the country that we can run and review as part of Team Bib brave. and so I'm very new to that team but I'm very excited because it's it's kind of a big deal.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah. Um I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I'm I can't think of any, anything else. I think yeah, that well
0: it. Team Noon um I I do use Team Noon, I, sorry, I use Team I use Noon's products to stay hydrated with electrolytes when mm-hmm. I run. Yeah. I love dropping their capsules into my water.
1: I have a little story about that. If you have time.
0: Oh yeah. Go for it.
1: About noon. So this is what turned me on to noon. I was running my very first marathon, uh, February of 2020 and I'm out on the course and I'm using the on course hydration, which I think was Gatorade. I don't know, but I started at mile 18 just getting super nauseous and just not feeling real great. Well, I had a couple friends come out to meet me, And they had this bottle of Noon, and they were Noon ambassadors. They run onto the course, and they're like, and I'm like, I'm sick, you guys. I don't feel good. And they're like, quit drinking that junk on the course. It's full of sugar. Drink this. Ed handed me the Noon. It fixed it, and I was able to finish. They ran the last eight miles of the marathon with me, and I have used Noon ever since that day. And honestly, I use it every day. Even if I'm not working out, I use it every single day in my water because it tastes really good and I know I'm getting my electrolytes and stuff. So that's my story. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah and I feel like with trail running for myself, I tend to exhaust my store of electrolytes quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm sweating more or what, but it's like, I need those extra electrolytes like a products. absolutely I, I enjoy them for that.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And they taste really good. So
0: absolutely, yeah, I know and that's what that actually is a funny thing to say, unless you've been in the situation where you're kind of getting sick of water for the day, you've been yes. out there for, you know, five or six hours or whatever. And it's like, when it tastes good, you're going to get more hydration because it tastes good.
1: And and the other thing that's important, I think, with it too, is it's easy on on my stomach. And that's really important, especially if you're run, running longer distances. Sometimes you have to play around with hydration, with nutrition, with, with your fueling, because that can make or break a, a run or a race if it doesn't agree with your stomach so
0: yeah and that's something that i have found with uh doing longer distances is the approach to managing myself and Mm -hmm. that's you know salt intake and water intake and food that's not going to upset my stomach um because that's just the worst out there and those are all (laughs) really important considerations when putting a race together and planning for it absolutely yeah. So, okay. So we've heard a little bit about some of the sponsorships and ambassadorship that you do. I now want to hear about your podcast. And this is the first time that I've ever, ever had um, another podcast host onto Old Bodies Outsides. So this is just, I'm really excited to be collaborating and I love the name of your podcast, Fun of the Run. So do you mind telling me about your podcast?
1: I, I would love to. So how this started is a couple, it started for a couple of reasons. So when I first started running back, it'll be five years in May, May, 2018, I could not find a lot of information about people that look like me, you know, larger bodies, um, slower runners. And trust me, I tried and I went on YouTube and I I just tried and I I could not find the information I was looking for. Um, I wanted to know about As I started getting into longer distances, I wanted to know, well, what are these race cutoffs? What happens if you're last in a race? You know, has anybody ever, you know, I could not find those answers. And I thought, well, how cool would it be, since that's where I'm at, to kind of be able to share those kind of things? Because I know there are other people out there like me. And how great would that be to just kind of tell them the nitty gritty details? And I feel like a little box on social media just I, I like to share and that little box just wasn't enough sometimes you know so i tried blogging and it just didn't really cut it for me and so i've been thinking about starting a podcast for a couple of years and i had some followers uh recently it was back in november michelle have you ever thought about starting a podcast i said yes i actually have thought about starting a podcast you know and so it just was kind of the little push i needed to 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 actually do it and I'm not an expert in anything except my own experiences and I'm very clear in my episodes to tell people that I'm not I'm not a professional I'm just I know what I've experienced and I think it's important to share that those things with with people that maybe are not your traditional runners if that makes sense
0: yeah I think that's really important I think for a long long time the running industry has Really catered only to traditional runners when there's so many other people that love running mm-hmm. and whatnot. And like you said, finding that information like what like what happens if you don't make a cutoff? What happens if you know you're going slower than the race allows? Like mm-hmm. those are those are worries of Like are you just gonna oh. be left on the trail? You know, exactly. like that information needs to be out there.
1: I agree. I agree. Yeah. And so that's that's part of it. And I just felt like you know, it's, it's hard to be vulnerable in that sense, you know, because I know there are a lot of people that don't understand they're in the middle of the pack or they're in the front of the pack. And some people that are in the middle of the pack think they're at the back of the pack, you know, and then I'll read their story or their post. And I'm like, sweetie, you are not in the back of the pack. Okay. You don't know what you're, you're talking about. And so, um, yeah, it's just, I feel like it needs to be, that the information needs to be out there and, and I like to keep it fun. So sometimes we talk about serious things on the podcast, but I try to always pull it around at the end to say, okay, but we're going to end on a high note here. Running should be fun. We're not professionals and we're doing this because we love it and keep it fun, whatever that means
0: for you. So I totally agree. And it's like for me, for running, it's, it's going out and playing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: You know, it's, it's adult play. And um, I get to go out and be dirty and muddy and enjoy <laughs> that. And Otherwise I sit in the office all day anyway, So, <laughs> Well, I think that sounds fantastic for providing information like that. And I think that running is something that is a lot more accessible than what has been made out to be historically. And I think that running, I think for a lot of us in high school, we get punished with running like run some laps and whatnot. And um, there's a total, just so many great benefits to running. I mean, I think that Yes, there's all kinds of, you know, what people would expect, but the mental component of running is what I love the most. Like, it has a spiritual effect on me. It makes mm-hmm. me a more happy person. I and mean, it makes me feel accomplished. Oh, yes.
1: Yes. And that's something else. So, you, you mentioned sports in school. I, I was never in sports in school, and I was never an athletic kid or an athletic adult. In fact, I would say I was the quintessential couch potato. I kind of just stayed in my own little house and took care of my family and until my early 40s when I finally was like I've got to do something for me, you know. And so running has become that outlet, but it's also I hope this doesn't sound crazy, but when I cross a finish line, Brian, I feel like a rock star. When I go out there, And I reach those goals that I never thought in a million years that this housewife, you know, this chubby lady, you know, that doesn't have any, you know, I'm nothing special in that sense. But I go out there and do these really hard things and I do them. I finish them. I accomplish them. Maybe I'm almost last, but I feel like a million bucks. And that just gives me such a sense of like purpose and accomplishment and wow what can i do next and and what can't i do and it's just it's the best feeling ever
0: does, does your when you're when you're approaching that finish line you're about like maybe 400 meters out quarter are you do you have tears of joy
1: yes i've cried so many times and i always have my hands up because it's like <laughs> i did this again and and especially those really tough races that when i go into it i don't know you, you never know how a race is going to turn out, you know, right. you, it could just be a really bad day. And so when I see that finish line, I'm really going to do it. I am just ecstatic. And there's always a smile or my first ultra. I don't think there was a smile. I was bawling. I mean, there's just I was I'm like, mm. it was <laughs> it wasn't pretty, but it was real.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, besides being a a mother and a wife, I mean, is there anything else that brings that level of pride? I mean, running just sounds fantastic.
1: No. And honestly, um, obviously I have six children. So the birth of those kids was was the highlight of my life, you know, and all of that and being a mom and all of that is wonderful. But besides those things, like you said, um, and my faith, my faith brings me a lot of joy and, and all of that, too. Running is definitely way up there um, because there's nothing else like it. I haven't found anything else like it to just bring me that sense of of accomplishment and joy, just pure joy. I did a reel yesterday, and I was just looking at the sky. It's like I see how blue the sky is now. I didn't know that until my 40s, Brian. I know it sounds kind of cliche, but I really didn't. I didn't know the sky was that blue. I didn't know... That there were all these wildflowers on the side of out at the white tanks because I never did anything outdoors, and so no. it's like this whole new world has opened up to me. And I'm almost fifty years old. You know, it took me so long, but now that I'm there, I don't want to stop. It's like, what's the next distance? Can I run fifty miles? I want to run fifty miles next next January. That's my plan. And I nice. can do it. I can do it if I yeah, train, absolutely. and you know. So it's it's a whole new world that's opened up to me. So.
0: Oh, that's so fun! It sounds like just all the roses smell fresh again in life, and <laughs> yes, yeah.
1: all the colors are bright again. It's yeah, it's awesome. And it, I mean, it's obviously I have a rough days, so it's not all sunshine and roses. But but there's a lot of highs, you know, that go along with with the lows so
0: yeah it sounds like you're you're really good at staying consistent with it and you know training five days a week but i want to know how does you know michelle go from you know being a mother of six not really being outside not really being active to being like i'm gonna go running and you started this five years ago i mean like that sounds like i mean it sounds a little casual i feel like that's actually a really big thing to make that pivot how did that happen
1: so it was just one step at a time honestly just one little step at a time and someone casually said to me one day well you know why don't you try jogging and i'm like no i can't do that and i i've never run before and oh well you know you want to lose this little bit of weight why don't you try it i kept saying no and then secretly i started researching like couch to 5k programs i once i got on that program i trained for about eight weeks signed up for a local 5k race and once that medal was around my neck That that is the moment that I was hooked. I was hooked. And then, well, let's try a 10K. Well, how about a half marathon? And and the day after I finished my first half marathon, there was an email from Mesa Marathon saying, you know, you get a discount if you sign up today, 50 bucks off or whatever. And I'm like, I wonder if I should do 26.2. You know, it's a year away. I did it. I signed up for it because I'm like, if I pay for it, I'll train for it. I'll, you know. And it just was something that has kind of progressively grown to where I can't stop. (laughs) I'm addicted. I don't know how else to say. It's not because I can't say it's because I see everybody else out there doing it. It was like, oh, that's a thing. I can do that. Well, I want to try that, you know, and that's it just kind of has spiraled out of control, maybe. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's really fantastic. That's really fantastic. And so I wanted to hear about some more of your experiences in terms of trail running. And you said that you started with the Ragnar race back in November. Mm -hmm. Um, but trail running is, is a whole nother beast and there's a lot of elevation gain and there's, you know, rocks and there's the technical trail. So how did you come about to learn trail running, how to prepare for those types of races?
1: So I do follow some people on Instagram that are trail runners, and I kind of just started, you know, stalking their posts and seeing what they do. Um, I follow yellow runner Sally McRae. She's, I don't know if you know who she is, but she's a f- famous, extremely talented trail runner. And I just started learning little tips and tricks. Pick up your feet. You know, you don't, you don't want to take these huge long strides. You know, you want to be quick on the trails and just picking things up a little bit here and there. And I had done a lot of hiking before um, as part of, like, a weight loss journey, whatever. That's a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> but um, – and so I kind of knew what these trails were like, and I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to learn if I don't just go out there and start. And so one day I just went out and did it. I just, like, I'm going to try it. I'll get some good shoes and it just, just started. <laughs> I mean, there's no – you know, there was no magic – Training or anything, I just started doing it and learning as I went, and
0: that's yeah, that's what happened. Where does this this tenacity come from, though? You just, you, know, you jumped into the five k five years gone. Yeah. You're just like, I'm just gonna do it. Where's that come from?
1: I, I think I maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. I, <laughs> no, I have not ne- because here's the thing i I've never when you're a mom of six and. That consumes your life. You know what I'm saying? And I have no regrets. And I love my husband and my family. But when there's something that's just for you, it's it's just very different. And and I just, I find that time is so, so necessary for my own mental well-being, you know? And, and nobody, it's kind of my own thing, you know? Nobody else in my family runs. My husband doesn't run. I have one friend that runs, but I I don't know a lot of runners in person except for people I met on Instagram. And so I don't know, Brian, I think I'm just crazy. I just, once I got going, I, like I said, I can't stop. It's just, there's something in me that just, I just, I have to keep going if I start.
0: Oh, well, that's fantastic. So when you got into starting trail running, one of the things that I struggled with when I first got into trail running was actually finding a shoe that worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to go through a lot of different brands. and I also like different shoes for different distances. Um, have you found a shoe that works well for you?
1: Yes. So I actually run trails in the, have you heard of Topo Athletics?
0: I have. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: So their shoe, it is called, what is it called? I think it is the Ultra Runner Pro. I can't quite remember right now. I'd have to look it up, but it's the only trail shoe I found that does not hurt my feet. I don't. I don't want to say I don't get blisters because once you run like thirty-two miles, I mean it kind of doesn't matter what shoe you wear. You might get blisters, um, but that's my go-to shoe. I have two pairs that I rotate between, and which is I have to have a stability type shoe. Um, especially for if I'm running roads. So I, I use Brooks Adrenalines for roads and then Trails, okay. I use the Topos. So,
0: gotcha. yeah. Yeah, I, um, when I was getting into trail running, I, I needed to find a, a shoe that had a good toe box for my foot. And yeah. um, I ended up using a pretty heavy duty shoe now. It's um, by La Sportive. it's called the Wildcat. Um, and it's, um, you've probably seen it most REIs and whatnot, but they actually kind of look like a hybrid hiking, trail running shoe. They're, they're okay. kind
1: of Kinda cool. Looking. up a little bit. Yeah.
0: yeah, they are. They are. They're probably <laughs> one of the more heavier shoes, but it works for me. And
1: that's the thing, whatever thing past that, that. that, and that's what I was going to say is you have to find what works for you. A lot of people say, well, what do you run in? Or, you know, what do you recommend? You really need to go into a running store and perhaps they, they can watch you run on a treadmill or watch you run outside and And the store I go to uh, locally, Tortoise and Hair Sports, they film you on an iPad and they try different shoes on. And they were able to show me the difference when I got in the right shoe, how everything just lined up perfect. And, you know, instead of your ankle being kind of wonky, it went back straight again and I was able to run better. And it's just it's an important part if you're going to be a serious runner to get fitted for for shoes.
0: Yeah. No, that sounds like an awesome assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, and how fantastic was that to be able to look at your form with these different sheets it? was on.
1: super cool. It was super cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I wanted to hear about some of the, um, some stories that you have from the trails. And one thing that I saw when I was preparing for this episode was you recently did the mesquite Canyon half marathon, troll half marathon, and (laughs) you had a little bit of an injury mid-race and kept it going. So what happened there? So
1: so I, I was originally supposed to do the 50K at that race. That was going to be my first 50K. Why? Because it's ridiculous. That's the hardest 50K for a newbie, whatever. Anyhow, I I ended up not doing it as my 50K, but um, dropping down to the half marathon, I knew it was still going to be tough. And so I was just out there doing my thing, you know, and at one point, so there's a lot of you climb and then you'll come down, you climb, 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 climb. I mean, just relentlessly on this trail, but I was coming down to an aid station and one second I'm running, <laughs> the next I'm just flat out in the middle of the trail and there wasn't like a sharp rock or anything. I just, I remember falling my head hits the rock and my glasses fly off and blood's just <laughs> pouring and it was a big flat rock so how did i trip i have no clue but i did um so i'm standing there i jump up really quick off the trail and this blood is just you know pull my pack off and i'm trying to find something to stop the flow of blood and it's it was right right over here but anyways i'm trying to stop this flow of blood and of course i can't find anything and People are just running past me going, thanks for being out here. Thanks. I guess they thought I was a volunteer. <laughs> I'm bleeding all over. And I'm like, right. okay. Well, anyhow, this lady comes up behind me. Are you okay? And then she takes a look and she goes, oh, yeah, you're not okay. <laughs> and she's like, what? I don't have a Band-Aid. I'm not part of this race. Like, I don't know what to do. So she starts asking people running by, hey, is there an aid station up there? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's right over there. So she walks to the aid station. I get my pack, and I'm, like, trying to (laughs) get to the aid station. And um, luckily, there was a nurse there, and she didn't have much to work with, but she wiped it off with an alcohol wipe, gave me a Band-Aid, and I was just covered. So these other aid station volunteers are walking up with wet paper towels and my hands are covered in blood. So I'm wiping my hands and they're like, honey, your your hands, but your face is covered. In, you need to wipe your face. <laughs> so I had blood all over my shirt. And then someone said, Oh, her bib, her bib has blood all over it. And the guy goes, so that's awesome. Like, don't, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? You're right. Don't touch my bib. I want that blood on that bib, you know? And so, as long they determined that I wasn't dizzy or anything like that and they're like okay you can you can keep going so me and my band-aid and my bloody shirt and my bloody bib I just got up and I started hiking up another climb. I had nine miles to go.
0: oh man I had
1: nine miles to go at that point I fell around mile four so um <laughs> at this point, There were not, I really thought I was last because I did not see anybody else with my bib color. I don't even think I saw people for a couple hours out there. And I was kind of scared to run again because I fell. And so I just, when I felt safe, I would run. And when I didn't feel safe, like going down those rocky downhills, I would just power hike, you know. But eventually I made it. And the funny thing about this race, Brian, is um, my friend was out running her first 50K So when I crossed the finish line, she was still gonna be out there for a couple hours. So I ran home real quick to take a shower since I live so close, get all the blood off. I walk in the door and my husband goes, oh my. And I said, honey, (laughs) the medic said, the medic said, if I want a battle scar, I probably don't need stitches. And he goes, you're getting stitches. And so I said, okay, well I have to see my friend cross the finish line first. And so I took a shower, put my medal on, Went back to white tanks, waited about three hours, I think, for my friend to, to cross the finish line, and then drove myself to Urgent Care, <laughs> where I got three stitches and a tetanus shot. So, hey, I will yeah. never, never forget that race.
0: Oh, Michelle, that's really hardcore. I can't believe, you know, I thought that that maybe happened mile 10, mile 11, no mile four. You had to go, oh, my gosh, nine more miles. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. So did- yeah, that is crazy. So your bib, did, you got to frame that thing. Did you frame it?
1: I, I, I haven't framed it yet. It's still sitting on my nightstand. It's all bloody. I took a good picture of it with my medal though. So yeah, I feel pretty legit yeah. now. Like I'm a real trail runner now, you know, cause I, yeah. So.
0: And this is one of the things I love about trail running too, is, you know, the technicality is another challenge component to it, but there's also with all the ups and downs, there's all this change of pace and whatnot. And like, mm-hmm. I was thinking like, man, like when I'm out trail running really steep place, like there's a lot of hiking involved. And I actually loved that I'm forced to hike through stuff and whatnot. And that's something. another thing I love about trail running.
1: Same with me. So I did my first ultra marathon in January out at the Australia mountains. And that, Is that was- that the cold water? Yes, it was the cold water okay. rumble. And I would have to say this half marathon that I just did was harder. <laughs> but you know, cold water, um, had a much more generous time limit. I had 32 hours to finish. It took me 13. I knew I had time. So I, I was just trying to complete the miles, but that course is very rocky and all of that, but it was not, and it was technical, but it wasn't as difficult. The climbs were not as steep. So there's just a major difference, but I I know what I was going to say now. Everybody walked. The 100-mile people walked, the 50-milers walked, the 50K, everybody walked. And that's a really cool thing about it is I never felt bad for needing to power hike up a hill because everybody else was doing it too. You know, I'm sure there are some elites who run up those, you know, those hills, but for the most part everybody walks or hikes, I guess they, <laughs> and that is a really cool aspect of, of trail running. It's, it's just, it's a whole different, um, environment. The trail running yeah. atmosphere is.
0: And I feel like that almost kind of, can increase the perception of accessibility into trail running versus road running. I feel like sometimes like at road races, like I'm like, wow, everyone looks really hardcore and walking is not accepted. And yeah. trail running, you got all kinds of flavors out there and you know, different types of gear and mm-hmm. hiking is a part of it.
1: Yes, it's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so when you're preparing for these races, uh, specifically trail races, do you uh, work with a coach? I do.
1: So the first about year or so when I was running, I did not have a coach. I used Nike Run Club app. You know, they'll have a little training plans and stuff like that. But when I was training for my first full marathon, which was Mesa Marathon, um, based on they say that you take your half marathon time, double that and add 20 minutes. And that's your projected marathon finish time. I did that and I was barely going to make the cutoff for Mesa Marathon. So I reached out to run for PRs on Instagram and because I had just seen a lot of their posts and how they were helping people and they offered training plans. And the cool thing about them is they match you to a coach. So you fill out a questionnaire. So you don't just get some random coach. You get somebody that feels like, they can help you reach your goals. So I have been working with Ben Jacobs since June of 2019. And he's still my coach today. He thinks I'm crazy. The funny thing is I'll tell him, well, coach, I'm thinking of doing this race, but maybe I should drop down. He's like, I already know what you're going to do. Like, and I'm like, oh, you think you know me? He's like, yeah, I know exactly. You're not going to drop down. You're going <laughs> to, so yeah, I work with the coach.
0: Yeah. What a fantastic service that is for getting a place like that. Cause otherwise it's like, you almost got to like shop the internet. Like, you know, is this coach going to like personality wise, are we going to relate? Um, and that's, it's kind of guesswork other than, you know, maybe word of mouth talking to friends or fellow runners that you met at races.
1: And I feel very fortunate because I feel like I know everybody can't afford a coach and this is an affordable option. And, when I first started on, I could not afford it. And they worked with me and kind of gave me a little bit of a discount and, and making it more affordable. And I've had to back off a couple of times. Like when my husband took a pay cut, I've had to say, you know, Hey, can you, I can't do this for a few months. And then they always took me back on when I could afford it again. And so to, to me, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily have to have a coach year round, but it keeps me accountable because even if I'm just in a base building phase, I know what I'm doing every day, if that makes sense. And there's no excuses. I can't just like Michelle, I don't, you don't, I don't feel like getting up today and going out. I know it's on the plan and I go out and do it because it's there.
0: So. Oh, it helps a lot. And I have a a, a buddy, he's training for a race this summer and, um, he's a lot of races and he hired a coach just for that. He's like, you know what? Like, I don't want to mess up my training. Like I need some oversight and I could use the accountability.
1: Lots of people do that just for a single race. They'll hire a coach just for a single race sometimes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So do you mind repeating what the name of that service is? I'm going to write it down.
1: It's run the number four PRS. And you can find them on Instagram at run for PRS. And their website is run for PRS
0: CO. Okay. CO. All right. So
1: run the number four PRs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. I like how they do that service. Mm-hmm. That's great. Okay. So I wanted to bring us back to the white tanks and at the white tanks, I've been there several times while visiting my parents. And I, in my opinion, I feel like there's two trails there that are extremely, extremely challenging. And that would be Goat camp and Ford Canyon. They're challenging for different reasons. Goat camp is just unrelentlessly constantly steep and rocky and loose and then Ford canyon yes it is steep but it has scramble sections and then it kind of flattens out and scrambled and flat out and uh flattens out and it's, it's got like a different style of running to it and so um uh, if you were training for say you're i don't know wh- which one do you prefer to get out on if you were you know had to do a hardcore trail for the day so
1: ford canyon for sure <laughs> I actually, that's actually my go-to. No, I don't go as far as the scrambling part. But typically, if I'm out at White Takes, I'm on Ford Canyon Trail. Um, Just because I like the way it flows and, you know, gives me, I don't know, it gives me a challenge, but it's not insane. Goat Camp is just insane, insane, insane. And I don't want that every day. (laughs) So they're both awesome trails. And I use Goat Camp, like, um, I've hiked down and out of the Grand Canyon a couple different times and goat camp is always a go-to hike to prepare. So, cause you'll get that steep vert that you need, you know? Um, but yeah, definitely prefer Ford Canyon over goat camp. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I feel like goat camp, like you said, it's so tough, so steep. It's not something you'd want to do every day anyways, but no. like, it's there for when you're like, okay, like, you know, I'm building up to say, hiking down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and yes. you know, seven miles back up to hike out of.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're both really good. There's also um, the Mule Deer Trail is one that a lot of trail runners will use because it's very um, rolling hills. It's it's a lot okay. of just kind of rollers. And so Mule Deer is another very popular one with, with trail runners out there. So.
0: Yeah. I'll have to yeah. look that one up. Um, I've not been on mule deer. Um, but you know, one place I like in the white tanks, I don't know if it's really much of a run, I guess you can run into it, but they got that waterfall area with the petroglyphs.
1: So that is, well, okay. That <laughs> it's, it's, they've kind of changed it. It's paved.
0: So, oh, really? yeah, so
1: they, and it's, I, I don't think it's more than a mile round trip. It's, yeah. it's so it's really short. So it's not one that I, I do often, but, um, But yeah, they paved it most of the way up to the, up to the waterfall. So there's just a very little bit of hiking. So you could run, you know, most of the way if you wanted to, but.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to recall if, so my parents moved out from the Los Angeles area to Goodyear. I think about 2006 and it was right around that time that I did that trail for the one and only time I've ever done it. And I think mm-hmm. it was not paved at that time, but yeah, it's it pretty far back in my memory. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's probably been the last few years they've paved it. So they're trying to make it accessible, you know, for more people to be able to go out and which is good because a lot of those trails, most people probably couldn't get very far. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's, what's great about white tanks is I think they do do a good job of, Recognizing that they have a very challenging trail system and trying to provide some alternatives for someone that's like, hey, I don't want that challenge for today.
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So this fall in October is the 45th anniversary of the Chicago Marathon. And me, my wife, and my brother all put our names in. I was the only one that did not get my name oh, pulled in the lottery. No. Uh, which is, which is okay. I'll, I'll be, uh, the support family member. Um, and so you ran Chicago just this past well, October, right? October, yes. 2022. So I wanted to hear, um, uh, for, uh, being the family support member, we got an Airbnb set up kind of in the Northern part of Chicago. Um, gosh, what mile should I set up? Like, would you have any advice for the supporting family member?
1: Goodness for that. I really don't because I, you know, I was running it and my husband was, um, He saw, I guess he, a good vantage point that he said was kind of right at the beginning of the marathon. Um, There's a bridge near the Chicago, let's see what it's called. Chicago Sheraton. What is it called? I can't think right now. (laughs) Oh, Chicago Grand Sheraton. Yeah, and so he just kind of went out of our hotel and stood there and he was able to watch like the beginning of the race and the runners run by and he oh, would yell. Nice. A lot of the people, so tell your wife and your brother, right? Is that what you said? Your wife yes. and your brother um to get their names on their shirts, front and back. Because okay. it's it's awesome. I had people yelling at me the whole race, Michelle go Michelle. You know, I came out of a J. John at one point and they're like, you okay, Michelle. And I'm like, yeah, that one's out of toilet paper. I got to go to a different one, (laughs) but having people yell your name the whole time is awesome. And they, people will do it. It's, it's a big part of the Chicago, um, marathon experience, I think. Um, but as far as like vantage points there, if you go to the Chicago marathon website, I do think there is some information there that will give you, um, where to go because you have to take the train or the bus. And that's probably the only way that you're going to get to the different points on the course in order to see your runners. It's, it's kind of hard to get around. You can't just necessarily drive or walk, you know, you have to pretty much get on public transportation.
0: Yeah. And I think that's something I'm going to have to figure out because I'm going to have to figure out how to at least get to the finish line. I don't know if I'll see them start. I might hang out in the middle of the course or something, but I'm going to need to get to the finish line to support them at the finish line. And And that's easier to find.
1: Yeah, that's easier to find. And, and the finish, the start and the finish are, I think they're either a quarter or half a mile apart. So, and it's, I mean, with last year, there were 40,000 runners, so it's kind of hard to miss. (laughs) You'll know you're in the right place. (laughs)
0: You know. That is insane. Forty thousand and this year they're doing forty five thousand runners. Yeah. Um speaking of that though, I didn't get chosen, so I should not play the lottery. <laughs> 40 forty forty thousand runners, how did like that's just gotta be a crazy time a crazy race of so many people. There's all kinds <laughs> of stuff going on.
1: Yeah, and and again, so we're talking all bodies outside, you know, is the name of your podcast. Um, so I I had a little different perspective. Um from, from my, my experience, I was in the last corral and I was in the last wave. So there are three waves, one, two, and three. And then the last corral is N. So I was in an N. And if you look at an aerial map on Instagram, they, ha- they had one. It's It's unreal just seeing this whole sea of runners. And then by the time it was our turn, we had to actually, as a corral, turn onto the street because we were kind of off on a side street. Um, but a lot of the entertainment there were still people along the course but a lot of the like the Japanese dragon that you expect to see or Chinese dragon in Chinatown was gone um some of the welcome runners signs were gone um they started they started folding up the aid stations by the time I got about halfway um oh, wow. there was the car behind me the pace car was so I had to run. It it was stressful, but, but I mean, I still got my medal. I still crossed the, I didn't get to cross the actual finish line. Um, we were kind of diverted to a sidewalk and, you know, but I still got my medal. So it wasn't quite your typical Chicago experience, but there were a lot of good things about it. And if you're definitely, um, I would recommend it still because it was a great experience. It was just, wasn't quite like what I had read about, you know what I mean? It wasn't quite as back of the pack friendly as I had heard it was.
0: Yeah. And I feel like it seems like, and I really don't know, but it seems like in trail races, they can accommodate that a little bit easier versus races that are on roads. The roads can only be permitted to be closed for so long. I think that's another appeal of trail races. I know that there's, A gentleman that lives near me in Kansas, he um, has done like 83 100-mile ultramarathons.
1: Wow.
0: And he recently, a couple years ago, suffered a stroke. He had a birth defect in his heart. And it went undetected. um, And he had a birth defect in his heart that caused ultimately caused this stroke. And so now, as a runner, he still loves running, but he has balancing issues and he has... He can't elevate his heart rate too much because it's, it's it's just rough on his system. And so he actually created a race out here that um, no cutoffs, no cutoff times wow. at all. That's Yeah. Cool. And then so he makes sure that there's water and food on there the whole time. Um, and I, I was like, that's such a fantastic idea.
1: That's a really good idea. So it, it also depends on the course. Um, so the Mesquite yeah. Canyon Trail runs out at White Tanks. They are strict with the cutoffs for that because of goat camp and Ford Canyon. They're very steep drop-offs. So they don't want runners out there past a certain point because they can't rescue you. And so, yeah. but um, Coldwater Rumble in January, that course was open 32 hours. So the people, no matter what your distance was, you were able to, you got the same amount of time as, as the 100 milers. And so I felt very comfortable going out there knowing that There's going to be support. There are going to be aid stations. There are going to be people waiting for me at the finish. Um, So you just, if you are like me and not fast, you have to kind of just kind of pick and choose, you know, what you do. Your friend probably has to do that as well. Look at the course cutoffs, whether it's a road race or a trail race, just you have to be careful because you, you do want to have a successful race, you know, and just, it's just something that unfortunately, you know, we have to keep in mind when we are signing up for these kinds of things.
0: Yeah, and I'd be really worried about um if there was tight cutoff limits about them pulling water and then there's there's not enough water and whatnot. And that would be I mean that's that's a health issue. <laughs> that's that a safety issue.
1: That happened at Chicago. Did it? They yeah, so oh, geez. A man just was handing out water bottles, his own personal. Yeah, I'm not dissing Chicago. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I, it was a great. I'm just. I'm just sharing what happened. So I don't mean it in a so- bad way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, 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 let's hear about what you have going on for the rest of 2023. We're in, you know, it's March right now, March 23rd of 2023. So what is on your calendar for the rest of 2023 for races, maybe some adventures? I don't know.
1: So, so right now I have, um, the next thing I have coming up is May 20th, a 15 K night time trail race in the desert. Oh, fun. Yeah, so um, I'm super excited for that one. And then another That's a one a challenge. Oh yeah, and I f- I ran the trails at night for the first time during Ragnar Trail in November and I just fell in love. The moon and you see all the runners running up the hill and you see these little headlamps bouncing. It was amazing. So I'm super looking forward to that. It's so hot here in the summer that they they transition the trail races to nighttime. So there's a race oh. every month at night, and you choose your distance anywhere from 5, 8K all the way up to the ultra distance. So I'm going to spend the summer. My plan is to run probably nothing over 15, 20K at those races. Um, Right now, I am signed up for California International Marathon in December because I wanted to break six hours in the marathon, but that's the same weekend as the Christmas parade here, and my family's upset with me. So... (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> I think I'm going to have to bow out of that. And because well, the real reason is because there is a trail race coming up that I want to do at pass mountain 50 K in November. So wow. my plan is to spend all summer training for another ultra marathon that I plan to run in November. And that's pretty much all I have specifically right now. Um, I'm thinking of trying for 50 miles, the beginning of 2024.
0: yeah yeah yeah. well that i feel like with doing the 50k in november you know a 50 miler in the beginning of 2024 just makes sense to work off that 50k
1: that's what i think too
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh well that's awesome michelle hey it's been a fantastic conversation today i'm so glad that you came on to old bodies outside i wanted to uh, once again mention your podcast so Michelle schroff is the host of the podcast called fun of the run uh, do check it out uh, she's got she has a lot of fun on there a lot sharing a lot of experiences some good humor and whatnot um, and also you know we had that conversation earlier about uh, the coaching service that Michelle uses run prsco Um be sure to check that out it's a wonderful service as well and Um, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on to Old Bodies Outside. This was a lot of fun today. We laughed a bunch, and it was just fantastic to talk about running in general. It's something that I love. It's something that is just part of my identity and sounds like it is for you, too. And so it was great to just connect over that.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'll talk about running any day, every day. So I appreciate you having me on, Brian.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, I'm going to throw on that outro music, and we'll call it an episode.